0: Coming up next on the Wet Fly Swing Podcast.
1: They took me all over the world and I just got hurt the first day, first spot. Like, I mean, it's it's a crazy breakdown. Like, they took me to the Philippines. I dislocated my toe. First day, first spot. Can't skate for like six months. They take me to South Korea. I tore my quadricep muscle from the po- to the point of absolutely no skating for that one was another six month injury. And that was first day, like second spot. Um, They took me to Japan, I broke my ankle, first day,
0: first spot. That was David Gravett describing some of his challenges as a pro skateboarder. Crazy life-changing injuries, Thrasher Magazine, and a passion for fly fishing. Today, on The Swing. Welcome to the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Show, where you discover tips, tricks, and tools from the leading names in fly fishing today. Hey, how you doing today? Thanks for stopping by the show. One of the easiest ways to support this podcast is to click over through our sponsors' websites and check out what they have going on right now. Any purchase you make, small or large, helps support small business and this podcast in one easy click. Today's episode is sponsored by Maverick Fly Fishing. They make the lightest Euro-nymphing reel in the world, which makes your rod more sensitive, casting more accurate, and you can hold your dead drifts longer without shoulder burn. Check out Maverick Fly Fishing Stinger and their other EuroNymph products and support this podcast by heading over to wetflyswing.com slash Maverick right now. That's Maverick, M-A-V-R-K, wetflyswing.com slash Maverick. Check out the lightest and most unique EuroNymphing reel right now. Today's episode is sponsored by Range Meal Bars. Each bar is 700 calories and fits easily into the pocket of your backpack, vest, or wherever you need Range bars are made using only the highest quality gluten free ingredients, and they are the most convenient and compact way to get out the door and on the river. You can support this podcast and a great local company right now by heading over to slash range. That's R A N G E. Range meal bars, a legitimate meal in your pocket. Pro skateboarder and fly angler David Gravett takes us into his world of broken bones and, uh, and what keeps him going strong. We hear about my connection to skateboarding uh, back as a youth and how I first connected with uh, David. Where our connection in fly fishing in the Northwest comes from today. We got a, uh, a recent episode where we connected and we find out how he dealt with a toxic storage mess under his house. This is an interesting story. Lots of, uh, lots of stuff about David. We definitely get into some fly fishing, uh, but this is definitely going to be a fun one. I hope you enjoy it. Uh, just want to remind you, make sure your kids aren't in the car for this one as we have plenty of explicitives and uh, and we're not beeping anything out today. So here we go. David Gravett.
1: How's it going, David? Good, Dave. Just chilling about to to light the day's first joint. Awesome. Yeah.
0: Awesome. I love it. Love it. There you go. See, that's that's something for me that uh there was a period in my life I kind of had a little bit of that. It's funny because I listened to um, you know, Bill Maher, you ever hear that guy? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, he's got a podcast. He's got, I'm sure it's a huge podcast, but I, I listen to it occasionally. And I mean, that guy is just smoking weed all, and he always asks his guests. He's like, hey, do you smoke weed? You know what I mean? He's got odd, like, you know, you name the giant movie star. And it's so funny because I think most of them don't smoke, but some of them will take him up, right? They'll hit him up and they'll have some drinks. So this, I love that you're doing this because I want you to be uh, comfortable for this episode.
1: <laughs> definitely. I would be very uncomfortable if I went in here without a, least one morning rip
0: yeah love that love that good well we're gonna talk uh, you know you're you've got a good Portland connection uh, you know so do we and uh, so we got a lot I think a lot in common here I was a um, at one point in sixth grade or seventh grade I thought I was gonna be a pro skateboarder it uh, I I didn't like going off of the the jump so (laughs) it cut me short but you're a professional skateboarder you love fly fishing Uh, lots of good stuff here we're gonna talk about uh, cover as much as we can today But take us back real quick on fly fishing. How did you get into fly fishing?
1: It's a tale that's been told before, but it's one of my favorites. And it started back in 2017 where, I mean, I've always been a pretty injured skateboarder. I don't know any of my colleagues personally that have been hurt as much as I have. It's been kind of a rough ride. And 2017, I had major shoulder surgery, pretty much reattached my arm and it was a six month off the board completely deal and then I went to my six month appointment and that's when he told me I could start trying to like cruise around I went to the skate park that day and I didn't I wasn't slamming I was just like taking a light run to throw my board down to get speed and as I was like jogging basically my hip just dislocated and I just fell on the ground fucking screaming and it was like what is going on here my friend we got it back in and i was like just Jeez. freaked out and like what is going on like let it chill out for like a week and then like was just skating down the street and it happened again and then from that point on it just pretty much a couple times a day my hip would just dislocate for no reason it got to the point where i would just be sitting on a chair like talking and my hip just goes out like being intimate with the Jeez. wife like hip out like wow. and for a while, I couldn't even put it in myself. I needed like to lay on the ground, hold on to something and get a friend. And my wife wasn't even strong enough to do it. So it would happen when it was just me and her, like I would just like go to bed with my hip out and then wake up and it would be like back in in the morning. I was going to a lot of specialists and different orthopedic surgeons. And I was pretty much just like a freak of nature. Like they would examine me and i would had MRIs on my hips, so they knew my hips were really bad, like arthritis over the whole joint. My labrum is completely torn, unrepairable. Um, I have bone spurs in the top of my femur, no good cartilage, like not even one piece of good cartilage. So they know my hips fucked, but I've been, I'd had stem cell injections. I do tons of exercises. Like I'd been working on that. And so they're like, yeah, your hips fucked, but it's also a really deep joint and you have good muscle structure all around it. So there's no reason it should be coming out like this. Like they pretty much act like I was lying and like, this isn't what's happening. And like, they put me on the table on the back and start moving my hip to like, check my motion. And I'd tell him like, dude, it's going to dislocate if you do that. And he's like, no, no, no. Like I got you like, just, just relax. And they'd like, bring my knee to my chest and I'm like, oh my, I just know. I'm like, here it goes and it would just fucking go and they'd be like, Uh. oh my god, like, what the hell? Like, this is insane. Then they'd go get their other friends and be like, I was just holding this guy's hip and it just went out and like they're just confused and had never seen something like this. There was multiple like ideas for surgery and stuff and I mean, I'd long known when I was 25, someone's the first time I went to an orthopedic surgeon after the MRI on my hip, he was like, "I've done hip replacements on people with better hips than you. Like, I know that I need a hip replacement, and that's what one of the a lot of the suggestions were. Like, well, I think this is it. Like, hip replacement time." And it's like I don't know how you can do that in skateboarding. I don't know any pro skaters with artificial hips. I know my dad has double artificial hips, and it wasn't very easy for him. I don't see. I don't see him getting out too much, but, um,
0: was this a genetic, you think this was like a genetic thing or was this? uh, Yeah, it's, it's both. It's
1: definitely like, like I had my first hip surgery when I was like 16, 17, like
0: I've been dealing with it. Yeah. I mean, you're kind of like, it's almost like a freak of nature, right? You're a professional skateboarder and you've, I know the history, I've heard some of the stuff, right. You've broken, you've done all the crazy stuff to your body, but at the same time you have this probably this genetic thing and, uh, but you managed to like, keep it going. Are you now, I mean, are you skating? Are you still going strong and all that?
1: Yeah, that's, I mean, I'm taking, I'm taking my sweet time with this, this story. Um, totally. Yeah. So I got the surgery, which turned out to be like a total cleanup. Like they reshaped the top of my femur, got rid of all those bone spurs, like cleaned out all my frayed, um, labrum because they were thinking that something was catching on a bone spur and causing a muscle tweakage that was yanking my hip out. And so that's what we went with. And it was about three months after surgery, when I was in physical therapy, that my hip started dislocating again. And then this point had been like a year off the skateboard. I'm like, so depressed. I got a bunch of other stuff going wrong in my life as well. And like, I don't think I'll, I don't know if I'll ever be able to skateboard again. I certainly don't think I am going to be able to. And that was like, you got to understand like the amount of years and time I've spent panicking since I was a child of like what I was going to do without skateboarding. Like it was something that would keep me up at night. Like, what am I going to do? This is the only thing I like in life. Like this is, this is it. I'm an adrenaline junkie. I just want to be active with my body and it looks like I'm not going to be able to anymore. And, uh, I've always had a fascination with animals and nature and stuff, but there was like something was missing. It was like, I didn't have the drive to go adventure by myself. Like I would like try to find homies to go on camping and hiking trips with, and it would, wouldn't happen that much. And I'd try to go fishing and use gear and sit there for hours with power bait, not catching anything. And then I'd finally catch some poor eight inch trout swallowing the hook had to kill it and I was like god fishing sucks like I'm over this like fuck this and then during that time <laughs> when my hip was out and I'm all down and out my friend Nick Kenny was like yo you should try fly fishing and stuff and I'm like I don't know like it seems like so many people you just get so intimidated by it you're like dude it's that's fucking so complicated and I don't want to like learn all that and buy all that and everything you just like no like just come out in the kayaks. We'll just troll a fucking line. And we went out to some lake and just trolled. And I caught like four or five trout just perfectly on the lip, just popped them right off. And I'm just like, damn, like this is what fishing can be. Like you can just like catch fish and do stuff while (laughs) you're doing it. Like you're not just, I'm paddling and like figuring out casting and stuff, which I wasn't just throwing milky cast right away, or even now, but, like, people put so much emphasis onto, like, your casting. Like, just let people figure it out. Like, I would get so annoyed with, I mean, none of my friends were bad. I'm not trying, none of them were, like, over the top, but, like, everyone would try to give me pointers. Like, the people I'd go, like, fly fishing with, like, they'd be, like, trying to teach me stuff, and I would just get in this, like, anxiety bucket of just, like, what am i doing wrong and i just want to like get away from them almost and like fish by myself just so i could like like yeah it's not perfect but as long as that thing's getting on the water yeah you're you're fishing so yeah i mean that's basically it right then from that point on i fucking just loved it and it literally saved my life like it's a thing that people i'm not the first one to say it and i won't be the last but like dude it really came at a clinch time for me because i was depressed i was full-on like hadn't skated in two years like just depressed and it was something that i loved as much as skating so and cool. it also just gives you an excuse just to go sit out there in nature long enough for something really cool to happen like
0: you know, i love that you're uh yeah, I mean you say it right there. You love you love it as much as skating, which which says a lot about it. And we've heard a, a number of those stories about saving lives and fly fishing. And it sounds from the other some people that haven't been there, you know, it's probably hard to understand. But when you hear all these stories, you get it because, you know, everybody's got their own story, connection to nature, obviously, all that stuff. But this is really amazing to hear. And I want to dig in more on some of the skateboarding, but tell me. Fishing-wise, I don't know all the stuff you've done. Do you have a species that you love, or do you just kind of target, go for everything out there?
1: I'm definitely a go for everything out there kind of guy. Um, My honeymoon stage still hasn't worn off. Like I remember when I first started fly fishing, it was like I'd be on the lake till dark every time, and my friends that I would go with more experienced fly fishermen that were just almost like dumbing themselves down just to go try to catch hatchery trout in a lake was like below them but they were like yeah whatever he's he's still in his honeymoon stage (laughs) as they would always say and like lots of times they'd leave before me they're like dude i've had enough man like i don't need 12 hours plus of catching the same fish and i'm just like i can't i I don't know i'm still doing stuff i'm still trying different ways and different techniques i don't know I'm, i'm staying and they'd always say like yeah yeah like it'll wear off but like It's not wearing off. I'm still like really frothy to like catch anything. And I do understand a bit of what they would say of like first when you start fishing, you just want to catch all the fish and then you want to catch just like the good fish. And then you just want to like guide your homie into catching good fish. I've noticed that a little bit, but it's not enough. like.
0: No, you're not there yet. No, you never will be. That's the great thing. (laughs) <laughs> i hope not i mean no that's the amazing thing about i mean there's a a common theme a lot of fly anglers you know were professional athletes you know what i mean
1: kc badger dude that's my he was one of the first dudes that i ever fished with because i bike curious as well before fishing like i always liked bmx through skateboarding so that's like i actually connected with kc before fishing through biking and then after like that first time i went fly fishing with my other homie i was like dude I, I, I fly fished it's sick and then kayla actually his wife kayla actually was the one who handed it my first reddington setup to me because i was using my dad's old rod from like the fucking pre-70s automatic reel and everything
0: oh wow was this a graphite rod or was it like a bamboo or something
1: i think it was graphite but like it does not have a good flex.
0: no that's a noodle a big flimsy noodle yeah and an automatic reel, that's amazing. So you literally, your first rod, you had an automatic reel on there. Yeah, it did not work well. Did those ever work well? That's the real
1: question.
0: You know what? That's why funny think. It's a great question because, you know, my dad actually had a fly shop, tiny little fly shop. And so I grew up around a shop, but he collected old gear and he still has it all and i've saw all the old reels you name it right they there and i always i never used one right and i was like what how the hell do these things work they do work i mean they just reel it in but i can't imagine you know how you'd reel in a tiger muskie with one of those things
1: <laughs> just hit a button and it just drags your fucking muskie yeah. in
0: <laughs> i guess so i would have tracked track that i never really actually was on the water with one of those but uh so you had that, so you had the old school and then you get the Reddington. Now you're feeling good or like, how did that change it when you got actually got a good stick?
1: Um, that one was definitely way better than what I had, but what I didn't, took me a while to get was good line. Like good line is more important than like anything. It's great that they make those setups. Cause I mean, God, I think we all know that fly fishing is way too expensive and it's great that there's an option for people to like go spend 150, 200 bucks and be able to like go straight on the water. But I always tell them like the first thing you're going to want to replace on that. Like I don't give a shit about the plastic reel or like get some good line because that will make it so your cast will actually carry because at first you're just going to be casting as far as that whip is going because it's not going to carry worth a shit.
0: No, it's a great tip. That's probably one of the best tips you can give right there.
1: Hey, there's a tip. I got a tip. Some fucking, yeah.
0: You know, we're tallying these up. We're going to have a top 10 tips from uh, David Grivette today on fly fishing.
1: <laughs> if you get really cold out there, you can always start jerking off.
0: Ah, there you go. There you go. Exactly. That's another good one. All right. So these are going to be not just fly fishing. Well, maybe we'll have some skateboarding tips and biking tips.
1: That's a survival tip right there. It might just save your life.
0: So tell me this, let's take it back to mine. I'll focus on me a little bit. So sixth, seventh grade, I'm sitting out there going off. I remember we made these little jumps. It wasn't the half pipe. It was just like literally a little street jump. And I was such a wuss. It was like, damn, I'm a little afraid to go off this. What happens if I don't make it? And obviously I never became a great skateboarder. You, on the other hand, have broken probably most of your lots of bones and all that stuff. What's the difference between that? How did you, do you remember that first ramp that you went off and you're like maybe took your first fall like what did that feel like or do you not remember have you had so many that you can't even think about the first time you jumped off something
1: well the thing is i was accident prone like before i even started skating it wasn't really like i could ever blame skating for my injuries cuz i was just always getting hurt outside of skating as well and um i mean my first memories of skating is actually like I'd seen it on TV and actually thought it was going to be really easy (laughs) in fourth grade. My local town got a skate park for some crazy reason. And it was a small town, everyone in fourth grade skated and I got a skateboard for Christmas or birthday and was like, Oh, I want to go down to the park with everyone. I went with some friends that had already skated. And once I got there, I just set my board on the quarter pipe and dropped like i swear dude like this was the, the first time i had been to the skate park and i just set it there and dropped in and my friends were like you can drop in and i was like what what is that i don't know like i just went you go down the ramps right and like so i actually remember having like a really good like my f- first like i remember i learned like rock fakies that day as well and like pretty stoked overall on everything
0: wow so you knew right away so you, you got into skate in fourth grade so that's let's take that back. What is fourth grade? My kid is in, uh, in that range. So you're talking like, yeah, you're like eight, nine, 10 years old is when you kind of first tried it.
1: Yeah, I was 10,
0: 10 years old. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Wow. So that's it. So skateboard and then we'll have the whole line of, uh, of everything you've done there. I mean, what was, you know, again, let's just take it back to the skateboard fly fishing analogies sort of thing. I mean, if you don't do skateboarding, it sounds like that was just a piece of you. Like you couldn't imagine life without skateboarding. I mean, what if your life was a professional fly fisherman guide, that sort of thing.
1: Those don't exist. No, I'm, I'm going back to river <laughs> runs through it. What do
0: you want to be when you grow up? Professional fly exactly. fisherman doesn't exist. That's right. Oh yeah. man, what a great line. I forgot about that. God, yeah, I'm, I'm working on uh, Robert Redford right now. I'm trying to get him on to, to do a little summary of that, that show. We've had a couple, we had the Stump man from that, That show, I talked a little bit about it, but that was such an influential. Do you remember that movie? I mean, how much do you remember that movie? Because you weren't a fly fisherman at the time, right?
1: No, I actually didn't. I don't think I saw it till it was like really early on in my fly fishing that one of the homies was like, you need to watch a river runs through it. And I did. And I was very stoked. And I mean, I've rewatched it number of times and once i have a like i've gotten a few homies into fly fishing along the way and i'm like oh you gotta come over and watch a river runs through it and
0: (laughs) they get stoked what is it about the movie that you think you love most god
1: dude i don't know just the if the old man had it his way no man who didn't know how to catch a fish would ever disgrace one by doing so (laughs) like dude it doesn't get much sicker than that and like the part where the brother-in-law dude is like brad pitt's gotta take him fishing he's like he's probably a fucking worm fisherman and stuff and like he shows up all hung up and he's like fucking <laughs> right. he's got his cup of worms he's like fucking worm fisherman
0: god what a great movie man robert redford brad pitt and like i said we had the stunt double for brad pitt on and we heard some of the stories there from it it was pretty interesting it's funny because that movie when it came out in the early 90s was you know the biggest thing for fly fishing right my dad had the shop back then it brought in like bazillions of people it was like this crazy and since that time there's not been anything close maybe covid was the next time where people got in
1: that show yellowstone certainly wasn't it
0: no exactly yeah yellowstone's <laughs> out there right that's like that really me just
1: fucking shit
0: casting the worst piece of water like oh really so it's not good
1: well there's one there's a character that's there for a couple seasons and like He's fly fishing whenever, like, the encounters are with him. And, like, it's mostly, to me, it's the patch of water that he's... I think he's casting, like, directly downstream or something fucking weird. Like, like he's just not fishing correctly, you can tell.
0: Oh, man, that's not good. Is that Kevin Costner or is that the Harrison Ford thing?
1: It's... Fuck, it's neither. I don't... It's, like, he's just, like, a whatever character. And I've heard that, like... He's an actual fly fisherman, apparently, and apparently he's got a lot of shit from that. So I've heard I've heard he trying to make excuses like, I oh, was just doing it what they told me to do or whatever. And it's like <laughs> Well, if, if I was gonna be a skateboarder in a movie like and they told me to hold mall grab, I'd be like, No, dude, like you don't hold mall grab. like I'm gonna hold the fucking board the way like you're the supposed to hold the fucking board.
0: You got some integrity to protect. Right. Yeah, you're not gonna look bad for a movie or whatever. The fly fishing thing in the early 90s, that river runs through it, blew it up. Tons of new anglers came into it. You know, keeping the analogies on skateboarding, I I remember it. You know, I'm older, but I remember the sixth grade, seventh grade period. It seemed like it was super popular. I mean, what is skateboarding? Has it gone ups and downs? Is it still getting popular? Are people still, are you seeing new kids getting into it out there?
1: Yeah, it's, I mean, it's very weird right now, in my opinion. Like it's, it could be possibly bigger than ever, but it's kind of lost some of its small town charm <laughs> like it's i'm very lucky that i got into skating when i did like i consider like any time before the internet became a huge thing like the golden years of skateboarding totally yeah and it was still like a misfit sport like the people that weren't going to fit in on the football team the baseball team the soccer team now I mean, it's, we have like athletes full on, like they could walk onto a football field and be a fucking lineman. Like we have, I don't know. And like the trips aren't the same. Like we used to go on month long trips and it was like, all you had to do was get a few photos for the article for the magazine. And everyone was like, I felt like there was more camaraderie, obviously the van trips eight hour drives were way more fun without everyone being on their cell phone. And like all the fun and games, like we had a good day skating. We're going to fucking go do some tourist shit, like go to the zoo. I don't know. Like we used to do all sorts of stuff. And now the internet came along and was like, Hey, you're not only filming for video parts. And it was like one video every like two or three years that stood out and was everyone's like best shit. Now it's like, feed the beast, feed it, feed it, feed it, content, content, like get it out, get it out. And like, you go on a trip, you're not only filming for a video part and articles for a magazine, but you're like doing all this internet shit in between, you know, like there's always something to be done. So there's definitely no days off.
0: Right. So it's more work. And you're still out there like kind of touring and going on the skating scene?
1: Yeah, somehow. I mean, I swear too, man, the fishing has kept me like when I used to get hurt before fly fishing and I'd have a six month injury, it was weird coming back. Like it would take me like a couple weeks, month to like get my board control back. But I swear I'm just now I don't skate for like six, eight months for an injury and I just get back on my board and film tricks like that day. Like I don't know like it's this last summer like because I got that surgery on my foot that I had that pin in for and I hadn't even put skate shoes on in like eight months before I went on this month trip to Europe and I'm just like I have no idea how like this is gonna work and like put my shoes on filmed like four tricks that day that I was stoked on as well like stuff I would have been like pleased with before the injury and I said to, it's a joke but it's very arrogant and I was just like man I don't even think I need to skateboard anymore I just I think I've just reached a level where <laughs> I just like I, I just know
0: <laughs> you got it you're that good you've come to the you know how do you attribute that I mean, what, what is that
1: when you're wading rivers you're f- using so many key muscles to skating I swear because you're fighting. One of the best cross trainings you can do for skating has always been balance training. Like that was a big thing with all my hip injuries is standing on one foot on a wobble board and doing like extension, like yoga type movements with my leg. One of my nicknames is Captain Dislocate. Cause I mean, I've like, I've had surgery on both shoulders, my hip and my toe for Dislocations, and that's just the ones to have surgery on. Like I dislocate other joints than that, and best thing you can do to for that, like all of my physical therapy for my shoulders and stuff, has been a lot of body blade. It's like a kind of almost like a shake weight type thing, (laughs) but you you hold it out to the side and like wiggle it around, and it triggers all the little muscles around the joint. And I feel like that's what fishing is doing for me somehow like it's all the times that you're fighting for your balance and like learning to step also another thing is like how you you transfer your weight you learn how to like transfer off one foot to the other and how you're like because you never know what your step's gonna be you're always god yesterday when i was fishing the chocolate milk river that i was fishing like i could not every time as i'm easing into the river off the bank like it looks like you're just gonna like you have no idea how deep it is and like you're just taking each step like and i feel like there's there's something there and plus anything's better than just marinating on the couch and luckily it takes a pretty bad injury to i mean i was i was out there fishing like a week after getting that pin in my foot and like I mean the doctor was telling me I wasn't gonna be able I was like am I gonna be able to fish and stuff and he's like well you're gonna have a pin sticking out of your foot so you're not gonna be able to (laughs) put on any shoes and like you really just
0: need to chill like (laughs) how'd you do it so you did you put your boots on with the pin
1: no no I couldn't put I couldn't do that I had like a walking splint type thing and I just like did my best to like put a wool sock over the tip and so my toes wouldn't get freezing, and then put a bag over it, and I'd hobble on down to the lake and sit in a chair and throw my indicator set up out there and <laughs> caught a few fish
0: that is so awesome. do you do everything you must you know is everything at the height like hardcore? It sounds like that. that's pretty like hardcore. You're out there with a broken foot sitting on, you know, you can't get enough of it. Is that like your everything you do in life? It's like full on?
1: I mean, I just, I can't sit still. And I just, I don't know. Like my right now, my back's been out for like over two months. And it's never gone out this bad. It was horrible. And like five days after it went out, I was supposed to go on a like week fishing trip to fish ocean in Alabama and then fish the rivers in Arkansas with drew Wilson Drewler. shout out the homie for lining that up. And I was like, so bummed that I was going to miss that trip. And I'm still in the point where I can't even like stand. Like I'm completely bedridden, but I'm just like, fuck it. I'm going like, I don't care. And I thought I was going to maybe get better like during the trip, but I, man i would never taken so many ibuprofens and i'm like it was pretty bad sitting and fucking we're just fishing like all day until like we fished to like four in the morning some of the days because we're fishing
0: oh wow and what were you guys going for
1: um at this time we were fishing the coast in alabama and f- redfish and stripers and fucking whatever we could get like we were fishing that the weather of course was not good it was windy and cold so that's just on this boat getting blasted fucking oh fuck trying to fucking hold 20 pound redfish like dude
0: so you caught some
1: oh yeah it was awesome and for the seconds that i had fish on and stuff my back wouldn't hurt but then i would just like collapse and and I was the worst fucking first mate you could ever have. Like, just no help at all until, like, I can't lift anything. I can hardly. Like,
0: yeah, you're the guy out in the ocean just puking over the side and can't do anything.
1: Yeah, and I even broke Drew. Like, one of the days we fished the rivers in Arkansas, like, Drew was like, fish this rod today. Like, this is my favorite rod, dude. <laughs> and
0: oh. broke it. Oh, fuck, yeah.
1: I don't know how it was. it was snagged. I mean, I think it was like a fucking six or seven weight or something. And like, I just like did a couple like fucking flick ups to fucking try to unsnag it. And the fucking pit just snapped off.
0: Those rods are so fine tuned, man. Any little, you know, the fly even nicking it. I mean, all sorts, you never know where it's been nicked. Yeah, we, we broke a rod on our last trip too. It's always a bummer, but it happens. You know what I mean? That's part of the game.
1: Yeah, the homie Sam Sumlins in Alabama who lined up all of our ocean fishing and took us out on his boat. Somebody broke one of his rods as well. We discovered, like, the next day, like, we pulled it out of the thing. The tip was broken. We'd been fishing dock lights the night before. And it was a rod that I'd been fishing a lot, so there's a pretty good chance I broke it. I think Drew was trying to be a nice guy and take credit for the break when he knew that it was probably me saying that he might have broke it, putting it away and stuff. But I was fishing a pretty big game changer. I might have clipped it, fucking night casting with a hurt back. Yeah. You never know. Exactly.
0: So basically that answers the question. Yeah. You're pretty much just going strong and all this and the fly fishing thing, you know, as you look out, what gets you, do you have some trips that you'd really like to get in here? Some big trips around the country, the world that you want to do?
1: Dude, I want to go everywhere. Luckily, like, I mean, I bring a fly rod with me on all my skate trips now, and I've gotten to like catch fish in a lot of different places because of that. I'm in short rips or like there's days where I know I can't skate and I've reached the point where I've been around enough skate trips injured to have completely lost the thrill of just watching other people do stuff I want to do. So <laughs> <laughs> I'll connect with somebody on the fucking world wide web or something and go, f- I mean, that's another, a great thing about, fly fishing is there's a community very similar to skating and in fact it reminds me way more of the because that's one of the things that's lost in skating right now is because when i started it was like if you met someone who skateboarded they were your homie like just the pure fact that they actually skateboarded like you guys were gonna like connect and that's kind of gone so many people skate there's so many different like clicks within it at war with each other and like you could almost meet a skater in fucking Crips and Blood style, like fucking looking them up, like "Oh, you're on that side," <laughs> or like.
0: So, is skating way? I don't even know. I mean, is it just way bigger than flyfit? I mean, can do you have any idea, like size wise? Oh yeah, I mean it's it's
1: way bigger. It's got to be, yeah. When you if you meet someone outside of like some of the places where absolutely everyone is. But it almost doesn't, I mean, maybe it's because I'm still, I'm in a honeymoon stage, but I'm much more eager to, like, talk fish. like, if I'm at Crosby's at Pyramid Lake where everyone's a fucking fly fisherman, like, it's not like I'm at a trade show where everyone's a skater and I have to talk skating with, I'd much rather talk fly fishing at this point than skateboarding industry, which I don't even know about going back to, like, what skateboarding is right now, and, like, I don't have a clue sometimes like it's so much your ability to market yourself and your skills on social media because everyone is so good that that is no longer gonna separate you and I don't even know how some people get golden tickets and other people just get denied like I have a long list of people that I could Just don't know why they've never exactly got the credit that they deserved. And there's also an even longer list of people who are like, how the fuck is that person like have their their own shoe or fucking like you're like, dude, they don't do anything and they're not even a cool person.
0: Oh, that sucks. Yeah, I think I was thinking about this the other day because I was hearing somebody somebody was talking about NBA players, right? There's only like 425 NBA players right at the top of the game. You know, I was kind of thinking about, you know, in preparation for this, right? The skateboarders. I mean, it seems like you in the past are one of those people. I mean, that were at the top of the game, the ex, like all this stuff. I mean, do you feel like there's maybe you take the old school gang of people that were the best in the world? It's like, you don't see that anymore where you can be like, okay, here's the 400 best. We know who those people are still. Or do you kind of not, you just can't tell as much?
1: I don't think you can tell. I mean, you can definitely say like these people, like, it's pretty easy to say Jimmy Wilkins is like the best vert skater right now, but there's not always like a, I don't think you could say Jimmy Wilkins is the best skateboarder right now. If you put him on a flat, I mean, he's pretty good all around, but he wouldn't be the best on a flat ledge manual pad down a stair set, but God damn, can that man ride a vert ramp? But yeah, I don't think you could. Some people could say they could because opinions are different, but there's just a lot to look at and people's, unique style is always going to play a part. And like, I think trick mind is always really important. Like that was always what like drew me into skaters when I saw them, like use a spot the way I would like want it to be used, like utilize some feature that maybe is overlooked by other skaters or just like, I like to be on my toes guessing of what, like when you're surprised by a trick, when someone like does something that you were not, like whoa what the hell was that was not it wasn't expecting that revert out or that flip out you know right
0: yeah on some of the videos i was watching of you i was noticing something i hadn't seen much it must be very common but you go down a ramp or you ride down something then you're just riding on your front two wheels like balancing what's that called because that looks pretty cool
1: manuals that was the nose manual if it's on the front wheels and that's definitely been a because of all my injuries there's so many times where the only thing I can do is manuals, like I'm too injured to like pop or like jump down anything, so all I can do is pretty much ride around in manuals, so it's become
0: your signature almost
1: yeah, I don't have a whole lot of things in skating that I would can say I'm one of the best at, but I think I might be one of the best nose manuals, not have one. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it kind of reminds me of like on the bike because I did a little biking, you know, back in the day. Again, not any le- not any high level, but, you know, it's almost like, um, you know, some of those things where somebody could ride on, you know, do a an endo or, you know, ride whatever, ride a wheelie forever, you know, spin there, right? It seems like one of those cool tricks that not everybody could do, but you can get good. I mean, who was the first person you saw do that, that trick? Or is that just a common thing?
1: Yeah, it's very, like nose manuals in general are very common. I'd say like the thing that, I've just like spent a lot of time practicing like how to like go down things fat like it's it's a weird balance point when you're like going down a transition that's suddenly going to flatten out you have to stay on your front two wheels and not let the nose of your board scratch or let your back wheels touch so it's like a you kind of have to like absorb it in a pretty awkward way but it's definitely one of my favorite Things to do these days,
0: yeah. In fly fishing, how are you getting? You know, I was kind of thinking about that influence. I'm sure you, since you're a huge pro skateboarder, you know, you probably had some influencers, but I'm sure you created your own stuff, you know, along the way. But like in fly fishing, are you just kind of creating your own thing, or are you are there people you're kind of learning from other big, you know, fly anglers out there? You're kind of watching.
1: Um, I mean, I've definitely learned a lot from Casey and Kayla and. Um, Jimmy Damone and Tyson Vassar like my main instructors I mean Casey and Kayla are like super great with all the opportunities they've brought up for me and like I mean Casey is almost like a cheat sheet for you don't even have to like you just say hey Casey like just text him like I'm going here and then he'll just like respond like Black bugs, what like tell me, like what line, like what part, like fish the inside run, fucking, I don't know, just like have like a whole like thing, which a lot of times will work. But, um, I mean, there's just a lot of times where people will tell me stuff or even just going to the fly shop before going to hit a new piece of water and someone will give you the rundown on what to do. And you go there and it's just not working. And you have to start, you have to get out of your head that like, you don't know anything about fishing and you're like, wait, like I do catch, like start, let me just go back to like what I would do if I didn't have any info and like, you'll start finding fish, but not every time.
0: Today's episode is sponsored by Stonefly Nets, putting quality before quantity with their handcrafted custom wood landing nets. Charleston, South Carolina native Ethan Iglehart was bitten by the fly fishing bug in 2014 and shortly thereafter started stonefly nets. He now lives in the trout-rich waters of the Ozarks and handcrafts some of the sweetest wooden landing nets you'll see. I've been using these stonefly nets for quite a while now, and I'm excited to dig into another year. Ethan builds these nets custom, and you can select from four sizes and many different wood options. For Ethan, fly fishing is a memory created from a morning on a beautiful stretch of water casting a three-weight bamboo rod that his grandmother gave to his father, and then he passed to Ethan. Ethan is helping us create the same types of lasting memories every time we're on the water with these classic custom wood nets. You can head over right now to wetflyswing.com slash stonefly to check out your custom net right now. That's wetflyswing.com slash stonefly, S-T-O-N-E-F-L-Y. You support this podcast by clicking through that link to Stonefly. Okay, back to the show. You've done the stillwater. Are you an equal stillwater and rivers? Do you like both? Do you do both kind of equally?
1: Yeah, I love both like a lot. There's a certain relaxation to fishing lakes, especially out of a kayak. But, like it's hard to find on, on a river. Like it's hard to go fish a river and be like, I'm not going to get any tangles or lose any flies today. <laughs> like you'll probably just not catch any fish if that's your fucking goal.
0: Yeah what was the steel let's hear about the steelhead trip so you've had a sounds like you didn't get anything which i've been skunked plenty of times steelhead fishing and are you before we, are you in where are you at right now are you kind of in uh up in the northwest yeah i'm in
1: portland trying to move to camas washington we've we've been trying to get deal with getting this house when we put an offer in like months. it's been such a the lady selling it is such a fucking nightmare dude
0: uh. I heard about some stories too. Well, maybe we'll follow up on that um, that oil story. That was a crazy one. Your house with it, yeah. Jesus Christ, that was unbelievable. I actually already told somebody about that story. That's, but let's hold that one for a sec. We'll, we'll get back. But but take us down this slide. With the, I want to hear about this uh, steelhead trip. So were you uh, targeting some winter steelhead? I guess.
1: Yeah, I mean, I've been skunked so many times. I only got my first steelhead last
0: winter. Yeah. You realize, I will say, just so you feel good about it, I mean, better because steelhead is already tough. Um, By the way, I just went to Ohio and fished Steelhead Alley, which is kind of crazy. But I had one of my best steelhead trips in Ohio of all places, right? And I'm actually on the Northwest, right? I'm in Oregon as well. But, you know, steelhead fishing out here, the numbers are down. You know what I mean? We're having a big time. They're down. So, yeah, you shouldn't feel bad if you're getting skunked.
1: Yeah, the Sandy and Clackamas, dude. Like, listening to fucking Eric talk about it like it's the easiest thing in the fucking world, like, dude, fuck off, man.
0: <laughs> Right. Well, are you doing spay? You got your spay thing going, spay rod?
1: Yeah, yeah. And um, I only started, I pegged my first egg, like, towards the end of this last summer. On I went to Alaska, and, like, that was, like, just how you did it. And then I'm, like, trying to, like, Cause at this point, I mean, like, yeah, it's not as cool as fucking. I just want to get one out of the Club. Like that river has just skunked me too many times, so I've been like even trying to hit it with the fucking bead as well. And just, I mean, I've really dialed in the sucker fish catching, that's for sure. But oh, well, there you <laughs> go.
0: <laughs> nice.
1: It's just like I go other places and I can catch. Like I've caught steelhead in Washington, and I mean in Alaska, I was fucking on fire.
0: But that is Steelhead. What was this, like, southeast Alaska?
1: Um, Seward, Seward.
0: Oh, yeah, Seward. Oh, wow, you're on off the Kenai Peninsula, yeah.
1: I mean, obviously, it was a little bit easier there than here, but, I mean, a lot of people didn't get one on multiple days, and, like, I caught, like, one, like, first drift. Like, each day we only went two days, and I just immediately would start out catching one and then just, like, get to drink beer and hang out waiting for other people to, like, do it.
0: Were you guys swinging flies up there or nymphing?
1: That was still on the egg. And then after I caught the first one, the second day, I switched to the spay rod and I spent the rest of the day following up. Like one of the homies hadn't gotten one yet. So like the main goal became like, get him one. So he got to take the lead on all the runs and I would just follow behind with the spay rod and I was getting no action Using like your typical steelhead flies. And then I was looking through my box. I wasn't really liking anything. And the game changer was looking frothy. And um I said to Brandon, like Brandon, the homie who like lives there and knows the fucking rivers. I was like, You ever swing a game changer or something? He's like, No, I, I've never seen anyone do that. I'm <laughs> like, fuck it i'm try literally first swing dude fucking damn really and uh i was like this was gonna be a huge steelhead so i thought because it was fucking powerful and then we like got it after fighting and getting close. We're like dude i think it's a silver and this was like super late in the run so like turned out to be a fucking really nice silver so
0: oh it was oh wow like a chrome yeah silver damn that's pretty cool yeah it was probably my best day of fishing ever yeah 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 alaska's amazing god so you got alaska you got um yeah you got a few i mean there's definitely the steelhead game can be like you're feeling it can be tough but once you hit one you're gonna get one and then you'll have a spot and then you'll know and you gotta keep doubling down
1: i caught one like last week on fucking 5x a steelhead yeah a fucking um i believe it was a summer though i don't i mean it's a little bit it wasn't one of the fucking tanker winters, that's for sure, but I mean it was like thirty plus inches, and I just couldn't believe it that it stayed I'd had one break me off like a couple days earlier on twelve pound test, and like I'd already spent like the earliest two hours of the like before light fishing for Steelhead correctly with nothing, and now I'm standing between two gear fishermen that have been chucking out fucking salmon row. Hardly even giving me enough space to run a drift, and I was just trying to catch cutthroat with a little fucking Drew Wilson fucking little jighead special. Then my indicator fucking deer, fucking shoots out of the fucking middle of the river, and I'm like, dude, I got a fucking steelhead with fucking five x. And took a while. I brought him in. I mean, that's why I fucking thanked his spirit and dispatched him because it was a hatchery and. After that 10-minute battle, bringing him in, like, his, he was destined for death. I didn't feel like he needed to go through another fucking fight, so
0: I ate him. Oh, you did? There you go. Hatchery fish. Oh, yeah. Amazing. What, how big was it, like, poundage?
1: I don't know the poundage, but, I mean, it was, like, 30 inches at least.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. So it was, like, probably, yeah, 9 or 10 pounds. Nice fish.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, I got at least probably, like, 8 pounds of meat. Yeah. Yeah. Steelheader.
0: God, that's cool, man. That's the ultimate. You got to fish to take home.
1: Yeah. I, I don't do that very I mean, that was, you could count the number of fish. But that's-
0: well, <laughs> I'll tell you. And again, I fish for tons of steelhead in my, my old lady, she's amazing, but she gives me a hard time sometimes because she's like, what, you're going on another trip and you're not bringing back any fish? Like, come on, take a look in the freezer. Right. And that's kind of fly fishing because, you know, you do a lot of catch and release, but I have had some times where steelhead fishing like 10 years ago, right. If you had been here 10 years ago, the uh, like the deschutes and stuff was off the hook right summer steelhead and we'd bring home you know a cooler full of fish they're all hatchery fish
1: yeah well that's where i went yesterday and it was chuck because it's been rain the rain so bad like i thought maybe it wouldn't be that's usually one of the places you can go that like won't be too blown out but man it was fucked i didn't see a
0: fish all day yeah i hear you yeah the deschutes is a good one Nice, man. Well, you know, I've got a zillion questions on skateboarding. I don't want to dig into, I know you, I'm going to put some links out to like some show notes too. I know you're on the, uh, the nine club, right? That's the podcast, right? The guys with the the skateboarding. Yeah. 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 That's a pretty cool, like that is the podcast for skateboarding, right? Is that the best? Is that the one or are there a bunch of them?
1: I mean, that's definitely the the main one I know. And those guys are definitely super good at what they do. So I would say it's got to be the best.
0: That's it. Oh, I'll put a link out to some of the stuff so people, if they want to follow up with your skating career a little more. But just looking ahead, you know, so you've got, you're in here, you're loving fly fishing. I mean, do you see yourself potentially as, would you love it if you were a in the fly, you know, like a guide, had a shop, did something where like maybe the skateboarding, you know, as you get older, you're not skating anymore. Or do you think that you're literally going to be doing some sort of skating your entire life?
1: Um, no, definitely not. Like, I would love to, but I just considering how bad i mean every time i get a major injury now i'm always like fuck is that the one like i mean even with this back right now i'm like tripping like is this the one like
0: and how old are you
1: oh i'll be 35 on
0: the 11th totally so you're still super young i mean that's the crazy thing is that you just beat the shit out of your body you're probably like more like my age or maybe even like a 60 year old or something because of what you've done right
1: dude i can't even get into boat like it is fucking crazy to me how on that alaska trip like dude i i was having a tr- struggles like in and out of the drift boat as much times as we were like and a lot of the time the water wasn't exactly like if it wasn't super shallow i was i have like it was hard for me to lift my leg up and over that and like <laughs> people would be like helping like grabbing my leg my boot for me especially with waders on too they're like got water
0: in it. and like You're exactly like it. We just did a trip, I said to the Ohio, and we had a few, it's kind of a hosted trip, and we had some older guys, you know, 60s, 70s, same thing, right? You're helping them over, you know, you're like, okay, you can't go to that spot because you know he can't get down in the canyon. But I feel like you're still 35, so I mean, the technology and medicine, right, there's still, you're not going to be going away too soon, right, as far as like, you still want to get out there and battle and travel and hike and do all that shit. Oh
1: yeah, it's just gonna get sketchier,
0: <laughs> yeah, so this is kind of a this is kind of a stupid question, probably, or whatever you've probably heard it before, but you know so that now you are where you are thirty five you're a you know pro skateboarder top of your game, you've been there. you know, would you do it again, given like all the stuff like where you're at and all the physical stuff?
1: Yeah, I would have started fly fishing like way earlier though i was I've had a funny conversation with my dad a while ago about kind of giving him some shit about because he did like I'm using his old fly rod he did fly fish and like before I mean his body is similar to like he was super active as well as a younger man and he had both his hips replaced before like 55 and like mega elbow surgery back surgery stuff like that before and he would I do have early memories of like we used to do a lot of backpacking and gnarly like camping trips as a child we would hike up to these lakes and i remember my dad going off with the fly rod and like i'd see him like fly fishing down the way and like i'd be like sitting there with my worm set up or whatever like not catching shit fucking whatever and um was out smoking a joint with my dad a bit ago and was like man i wish he would have got me into fly fishing sooner and he's like man i know like i'm sorry but it's like I wanted to fish. I didn't want to just deal with your snags all day. Like, he's like, I, he's like, I let, I let your mom deal with that. And I'm like, all right. Like I can kind of understand that. Like, you know, you're so frothy to, I'm like, I didn't get. Yeah. Cause I mean, I don't think he got the chance to fish all the time. So he was probably like, man, I just need to get away and actually fish. But, and he, fortunately, I mean, like, didn't once his body like crapped out, like, I know he didn't fish. He still got on some hikes every now and then and stuff. But I just over Thanksgiving, like I took him fly fishing for like the first time and uh, he caught some fish. He's got a good cast still. It's his move. Like when he first hooked a fish, he was like, I got one like looking back at me and then like trying to like strip, but like trying to get slack on the line. So he started trying to like walk back and he like tripped and like. I fucking swear he smacked his back on this fucking rock, but it, he was just immediately like trying to hand me the rod, like, don't lose the fish. Like,
0: <laughs> so as your dad, you know, you look back at your dad, was he more of the athlete or were you more of the athlete? Um, he was
1: definitely an athlete. Like he did a lot of, I mean, in school, he was like a track and field guy and uh basketball and um skiing was a big thing for like i remember like real early memories of like going out on these camping and hiking trips and him like doing big dives off cliffs and stuff and yeah. shit like that he actually shattered his elbow on one of those camping trips because he was carrying me across a like a, a river and he slipped and in, in order to like protect me like smashed his elbow on a rock, and we had to like get out of there. We have lots of like when I was a toddler, I got lost out in the fucking forest. Like, and we were camping next to like oh, a gnarly river. And my Damn. parents were like, sure, I'd like fallen in the river, but they couldn't, like, there's no cell phones, there's no yeah. one around. So they have to just like look for me. It's either that or like go hike eight hours back to like civilization and. They finally found me like eaten to death by horse flies like sitting on a log. I mean, like I got impetigo on a camping trip once and we had to like rush out of there and get me to a fucking hospital. Like we got lost real bad once and like me and my sister were like 8 or 9 pulling off like a 20-mile hike cuz we were lost. Like it was like a fucking brutal thing, but I mean we were we totally got out there and that's definitely where like my love of, like, I was in tracking class as a kid, like, I was, I probably had, like, 60-plus animals, like, pet-wise, you know, like, that was, animals in nature have always been, like, a, a thing for me, I just never had a way to, like, like, I can't remember a time in my life where I didn't try to catch critters, they were always, like, snakes and lizards and frogs, and, like, that's what wasn't translating to the fish. I had no way to catch the fish without harming them super bad until fly fishing. And the people that think catch and release is like not a thing. Like they're just like, like you're just like killing the fish or nothing. You're like, dude, you've just never used a barbless fly like, or like had any knowledge on how to like, you take a fish in correctly and pop. There's no way that fish is. I'm not going to say that they like it and it's not, Can't be harmful under the right circumstances. Like, I'm not going to go fish the hot fucking water for steelhead, but like,
0: but they're going to live. That fish is going to live.
1: If you know the fish isn't going to live, then you're going to have to eat it, which doesn't have like, it does happen still in fly fishing. Like, it's, but it's crazy how little, like, I've caught thousands and fucking fish at this point, and I've still, I've had about four fish swallow the fly. Yeah. Like, it's amazing. Well, the amazing bit is two of them came back to back on one lake. Like these fish were just like too hungry or something. Like I'd never seen anything like it.
0: How are you doing your lake thing? Because we've been digging and we've got, um, you know, Phil Roy is kind of this BC kind of still water guru, a friend, and he's been doing some stuff with us. What's your technique look like? Are you trolling stuff? Are you doing like indicators? What are you doing there?
1: I do it all for sure, but I definitely do. Like I'll usually, if I'm getting to a new lake, Sometimes I'll have fucking three rods set up. I'm not going to lie to you. Like in the kayak, like I'll have a sinking line troll, like just like a big booger on a trolling setup basically. And just use that for my, like, cause I'm still going to explore the lake and I want to kayak and I still want to maybe catch fish along the way. And that'll point you out of where fishy zones are. Like if I'm on my exploring cruise and I start getting bites or catch fish trolling the booger, I'll stop and throw, my, I mean, if you're seeing any top water action, like, count me another tip here. Yeah. This one did come from Tyson Vassar, though. Like, a dry ant, if you don't know exactly what the fucking fish are biting, like, if there's not a direct hatch going on, or you're not seeing something directly on the water, they'll come up for a dry ant. Especially if you're on, like, a mount high-altitude lake. Like, I've just found that, like, it's really hard to beat the ant. You can go pretty big size too, which I love because one of my least favorite things in fly fishing is, despite a lot of people love this, some people are going to hate this, I fucking hate fishing tiny dries. I hate it. I hate tying them on. I hate that I can't see them out there. I hate that they sink all the time. I hate that I have to use forceps to get them out of the fish's mouth all the time because they're too small to fucking hold on. Like, not a fan.
0: I kind of agree with you too. I, it's it's tough, and, and I suck at fly uh, tying them too. That's the other thing; <laughs> they're hard to tie. Have you tried the salmon fly hatch on the Deschutes yet?
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I I won't. I hate that it's too crowded. But um, I've definitely you can fish them. I'll go early in the salmon fly hatch, and you can still totally get them to come up for big old chubby or something. And like, there's a couple other rivers that I'm not going to name that have decent salmon fly hatches that you can go to as well but like man i i only like fishing the deschutes in the winter it's too crowded like i fucking hate fishing crowded places and you when you fish a spot a lot you start to get your favorites you'll your favorite spots spots that you think are you call them your secret spot even though there's no way that's really secret but they're just maybe a spot that's like not as obvious but it's also a good spot and i hate going and when i see people even at those spots i'm like god damn
0: it like i don't know i hear you no it's true it's busy we we did an episode with the uh big hole uh lodge and big hole on the big hole river in montana and they were talking about that yeah i mean it's just getting like you said fly fishing still small and tiny but you know there's lots of people on the water a lot more than there used to be and uh it's hard
1: yeah, it's scary. You like kind of in a weird you're like, man, I wanna spread the love and everything, but then at the same time you're like, uh like people will like hate on I don't know if it's hate, but I'll get some shit on the Instagram where like I'll post like my fishing videos or something and people will ask like where it's at and like I just normally just don't respond. And then somebody like called me out, like, How come you tell people like you'll tell someone where the skate park is, but you never say where like you're fishing at. It's like, dude, cause I'm totally down to show up at a skate park with other people, but like not as down to go elbow to elbow and you never know what kind of shit ass etiquette someone's going to have. I mean, luckily most fly fishermen have pretty decent etiquette, but there's still some that.
0: Yeah, there's some you'll run into. We have a joke. We always say on the Deschutes, we have a, uh, in fact, my buddy just made me some stickers of it which says, um, we ran into a, a person that basically was, we were still fishing and we dropped in below quite a ways below in a camp below and we were fishing and the guy came up and basically said, Hey, I'm going to need the three pools above you, bro. <laughs> you know, like, like he was a guide. He was a guide on the river. And literally I was with my family, like my kids and stuff. And I was like, wow, are you really? So you're going to literally tell me I can't, um, you know, like where I'm going to fish. And so my buddy made the stickers like, uh, I'm going to need the three pools above you, bro, basically. <laughs> you know what I mean? So the guy, it's like, that's like some serious stuff. Like it's he could have done, He could have done a lot of ways. He could have come up and said, hey, God, I see you guys are down here fishing, you know, and could have done it totally different. And I would have been like, hey, take the three holes above, you know, I'm good. We're just going to take this one down here. But he was a total a-hole. And so that's part of it. That happens, right? Yeah. That's just like anywhere you're going to run into some of those guys.
1: But it's like, I really, that was one of the things that was annoying to discover how similar fly fishing was the skating was that there's still sometimes in skating I want conference like if I'm trying to trick and I'm taking hours and I'm in a horrible mood I would like love somebody to come over and like talk shit to me so I can like freak out and have an outlet but when I'm fishing the last thing in the world I want is to ruin my like trying to be tranquil and like enjoy myself to like deal with those type of aggressions but like it totally happens
0: and it it sucks. I know. Yeah. I think, I think it is the, my, there's very small, most, yeah, like you said, most people are awesome and it's good, but the pressure, you're just going to see more as more pressures out there. And I think the key is, is being able to just get away from, like you said, either hike away from them, you know, whatever, get in a boat, get in a kayak. I think you got the kayak, man. That's why the Stillwater is probably pretty amazing. Cause Stillwater is even less, right. Less known. There's, you're not seeing as many people.
1: Yeah, but people, it, yeah, dude, I've had mad beef out on the stills. I'll be over there roping in like a little cove or something, and other boats will like see what I'm doing and come over and try to fucking poach my shit, and I have to like call them out a few times. And
0: yeah, well, sometimes you got it, and you do have to do that. We've done that before too, you know. Some people just don't know; they're maybe new to it. Yeah. And they don't know the etiquette. There is an etiquette, right? And you got to coach some people on that. But sometimes the person is just an asshole. Yeah. Then you might have a fight in front of you. Right. That's like, (laughs) yeah. Have you ever, is that the type of guy you're like extreme, like all this stuff? Are you the type of guy that is going to throw down like on the. Oh,
1: I I mean, I've had my fists clenched. Like, I mean, this one river that I fish, that's the most competitive river that I probably go to, especially in this, like all the fish pool up on this stream that comes out of a hatchery and you're only allowed to fish a hundred feet from the stream outlet and it's like you walk down this trail and it's all heavily brushed in except for little breakouts to like these little, little mini beaches that have been almost just trampled down and set up as like fishing spots. And like, there's one every like 30 yards and you want to be at the top one, the closest to the stream. But if there's somebody there, you have to walk down to the next one, to the next one, to the next one. So on. And like, I've been, way down there and still like catch fish and whatever it's not as good as the top but i'm not gonna go barge someone at the top i'd never had the top spot before i woke up very early was there before fucking light completely like had my whole like brought my grill down there to like make i was like set i want i was just gonna have a day on this fucking like little beach zone and like it's totally enough. only enough room for like your group if you had a homie you could probably fish with them but it's totally not a spot Somebody else that you don't know to come fucking barge you, and like I'm standing there fishing, and this dude, some gear guy with a bucket, just comes fucking standing there glaring at me. Oh man! And then he like sets his bucket down and starts like walking into the river, like fucking on me. And I'm like, yo, like there's not going to be enough room here. And he's like, well, I'll just stand above you. That like you can go down then. And I'm like, no. I'm like, I'm staying here. I'm like, I got here super early to have this spot. And he's like, well, this is where I catch cutthroat. And I'm like, go catch cutthroat fucking down there. Like, it's not that hard, man. And like, he's just being a dick about it. And I'm like, I'm fly fishing. Like, I'm not gonna be able to cast where I want to if you're standing there. Like, and he's like, well, you've already walked over the fish. And I'm like, dude, I'm catching fish, like, go the fuck away and stuff. And then like, I hook a fish and catch it and really pop it off real quick and he's like oh you're one of those catch and release guys like it's a oh wow you're like dude i'm sorry that there's gonna be more fish for you to catch and kill because i'm willing to let them go like how is this an insult like it was so bad and then he just stood there and like pulled out a sandwich and just started like eating it like talking shit to me and i'm just like no way dude i was boiling and then he was I was casting up, because like, like I said, you can only fish. I mean, that story's pretty much over. The rest of it's boring. But yeah, there's no end to the fucking inconsiderateness of these people sometimes.
0: Yeah, you occasionally run into them, and I think, I don't know what the secret is. It's just, uh, <laughs> I always find like you let them know. I always like to let people know in a subtle way. You know what I mean? Like almost a way that um, they know that they fucked up, but that you don't have to come out and be like, okay, let's throw down. Because... Those Dude, that guy knows he was a fucking asshole, right? He knows it. There's no way you can't. So that's on him. I mean, he's got, that's like, he's taking that back home. Like, you know, I mean, you can't forget that, right? Like, how do you, you can't be that, uh, what's the word for it? It's like you're a serial killer, right? Like, you got to be that sort of mentality to not appreciate that you're just a total jerk. Or maybe you like it. Maybe that type of person likes it.
1: I don't think he was going to be bothered. I think he was going to go home being like, I taught shit to a fucking stupid fly fisherman
0: today. It was pretty <laughs> Right. So there you go. Yeah. There you go. I'm to take it back real quick on your dad. You mentioned, uh, you know, that's the thing about your dad. He didn't get you into fly fishing early, but he planted the seed, right, for the outdoors. And now you are in fly fishing probably because, you know, still because of him. It just didn't happen as early. So, I mean, it's interesting because for me, my dad was a big influence on me, you know, being a guide and stuff like that. I learned a lot from him, but it also kept me in a box because I just learned from my dad and like even spay. I picked up spay later because my dad hated spay. (laughs) Same thing. My dad was one of those guys. He's like, we're never going to spay fish because we love the single headed rod. So I was fishing for steelhead with a nine foot rod for years, even when everybody else was spay fishing. But you know what I mean for you do you find you get stuck in some of your things whether it's skating or fly fishing where you kind of learn from somebody and then you're like oh okay it's hard to get out of the box
1: yeah I mean I have a pretty good story of how what got me out of the box into spay fishing actually came from Eric Lineger like because I was always on the one-handed rod I didn't want to deal with like picking up a new thing really and like I don't know they just seem so large like large and disturbing the water like next to you kind of i don't know but one day i was in the northwest fly fishing shop where eric works and like we were talking about steelheading or whatever and my like i think i was because i pretty much got tennis elbow from steelheading with a single hand rod like so casting a sink tip with a fucking big streamer like over and over again like fucking where is he out? And I think I was talking about that, and Eric was like, you know, showing up at the steelhead run with a single-hand rod is like showing up at the skate park with a scooter. And I was like, wait, really?
0: <laughs> and I was like, oh, fuck, I better figure this out. Yeah, he's kind of right. He's kind of right now. Well, and I guess he's looking at more the scooter versus, in fact, like the skateboard can do better tricks and do catch more air, right, versus a scooter. Is that true? I'm a
1: big supporter of like All sport, like I'm pretty into all the action sports, but I do not like scootering. There's no style in it. Like it, it fucking just looks funny. And I feel like one of my biggest beefs with it is it steals kids away from their time where they could be learning skateboard, BMX, snowboard, motocross, something that they're going to be way more likely to do for the rest of their lives and form lifelong friends over.
0: So there's no scooter, there's no pro scooter circuit. There
1: is, unfortunately.
0: Is it at the X games?
1: It's not in the X games yet. It's I don't it's just kind of obscure and there's definitely the vast, vast majority of scooter riders like give it up when they hit puberty. That's basically like the cut. Like once they figure out that like people think they're kind of lame for doing it, it might be a which I unfortunately don't want to be, I don't want to make people feel lame for doing anything they like, but like, I just want people because those years are going to be the most crucial years and learn like for me in skateboarding from age 10 to like 14. Like that was, I would be like upset if I didn't learn 10 tricks a day. Like it's just crazy. Your progression is just so fast. You can skate all day, every day because your body just heals itself. And that's when you need to be learning something more time
0: long. Yeah, it's a very influential part of your your growth. Ten to fourteen, yeah, that is a crazy period. When did you? Again, we're not going to dig into all the skate because I just we don't have enough time. But I am interested in the turning pro thing. Right, take us there. Like, when did you turn pro? When? What did that feel like when you hit that?
1: Yeah, it was incredible. I was nineteen. I think it was two thousand nine two ish and yeah I'd already, i mean i'd already been skating had already been like my career since like i mean i started like making money from it and traveling at like 16 and i feel like back then you almost had to do more like turning pro was like there wasn't as many small companies to turn tons of people pro which is super rad that, that is a thing now and every city has like a small scene and like there are like local boards that have become even like on a somewhat of a broader scale and like so there's like a whole ton of pros on that level and then even sometimes on like the biggest board companies and going pro has become like they throw such huge parties it's almost just like a way to like get to make something for the internet, right?
0: So pro can I'm guessing it's kind of like in fly fishing. There's ambassadors, like ambassador used to be a big thing with the companies. Like you know, all the companies had their ambassadors, but now it's like everybody's an ambassador. Yeah, it's hard to tell. Like, is everybody? Is there like just everybody's a pro? There's tons of pros out there.
1: Yeah, there's definitely more than than ever, probably
0: but take us to that moment so what was that how did you know was it the um
1: it was a little different now they always surprise people i mean i knew for months before it happened that i was turning pro i just got done filming a really big video for like the trans world videos at the time were like really epitome of like it was like the super bowl when they would come out all the skaters would be just dying to get her hands on like the new trans world video. So it was a really big deal to film a part in that. So that's what led to my turning pro. And like, I'd already like known through my sponsors that like when that video came out, that I was going to go pro and like, I would pick who designed my first board and everything like that, which is not a thing anymore. Now they kind of switched it with one to do the big surprise party and like make a, an internet video about it. My company creature that I've written for like the whole time, we turned me pro. Like, they're so great. It was like five years, six years after I turned pro. And like that whole thing had just kind of getting started of like they're doing these big pro parties for everyone now. And I'm like giving the brand manager shit. Like, come on, Lee. Like, where's my pro party? Like, what the fuck? And he's like, you want a pro party? Like, what do you want to do? I'll give you a pro party. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's right. So even your company, even your awesome company has gone to the dark side like everybody else.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, they didn't, they're just, yeah, going along. But they're still way, I'd say they're much brighter than, they don't kick riders off as much as all the other companies do.
0: And what is Creature? I wasn't familiar with Creature as a name. I mean, I remember all the names when I was back in the day and some of those, I mean, I'm sure if those are around, right? Some of the old school name companies. But is Creature a skateboard company only or do they do a bunch of other stuff?
1: Um, it's skateboard, like it's, I mean, they make shirts and all sorts of knickknacks, but it's a skateboard company. It's out of NHS, which is a distributor that makes a bunch of other companies like independent trucks, Santa Cruz skateboards.
0: Yeah. So independent. So those are the old school names. So there's a lot of those old company skate companies from say 20, 30 years ago, they're still around.
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I guess I, I mean, I ride for bones, wheels and independent, which are both super old and Creature was around in the 90s and then they went out of business for a while and then NHS brought them back in like 2005. That's when I got on was when they came back so I was like part of the original squad which was definitely like very lucky. I mean it's safe to say that if I didn't ride for Creature I probably wouldn't still be able to be a skateboarder. Mostly because, like, all the injuries. There's a lot of companies that would have kicked me off for sure after, like, some of these. Some of them did.
0: Yeah. You got booted from some of your brands.
1: Yeah. I mean, Volcom, they took me all over the world, and I just got hurt the first day, first spot. Like, I mean, it's a crazy breakdown. Like, they took me to the Philippines. I dislocated my toe. First day, first spot. Can't skate for, like, six months. They take me to South Korea. I tore my quadricep muscle to the point of absolutely no skating for that one was another six month injury. And that was first day, like second spot. Um, they took me to Japan. I broke my ankle first day, first spot. Um, they took me to Colombia. I broke my ankle first day, first spot. Um, China destroyed ankle third day. Um, yeah, I mean, it was the point, I mean, the last trip I went on with them, the team manager was like, dude, you need to not get hurt on this trip. And I'm like, well, I'm never fucking trying to, it's never, a, huh. I don't know. And he's just like, well, we just really need you to be healthy. And then I like got off the phone with them and was like, wait a minute. Like, am I getting kicked off? And like called him back and was like, am I getting kicked off? And he's like, well, not exactly. Like, and I'm like, Oh, well, that's not a good fucking thing. And, Like basically like everyone's found out that like, or like the upper it's becoming apparently obvious that I get hurt every trip. And of course, and that was through my younger, it's fucking really hard on people, anyone to be on these skate trips and to get hurt like that. It's not fun. Like people think like, Oh, you're, you're living out your dream, but it's like, it's fucking torture. You're just watching people skate amazing things and get these opportunities that you are never going to experience again. Like you don't know when you're going to come back to these countries and it would just always happen to me. And in America, whenever all the spots are so blown out in order to get like a good photo or a good trick, you have to like push yourself so fucking hard sometimes. Like the majority of the things that I would shoot photos of was stuff that like I could die on and terrified that, hell out of me and then i'd go on these trips where like you get to like such amazing obstacles and like unique features that there's like a trick for you that would be an amazing photo super good clip and it would be like fun to do and like not scared like you would want to do it no matter what just because it's like so perfect for the obstacle the amount of times that i just had to just sit and watch that because some freak accident happened to me like was pretty bad and I would get into some like I've never been a bad drunk, I would say. Like I'm not like I don't get drunk and get violent. I'm not like super belligerent. But there's the few times that I did have drinking issues were on Vulcan trips. Like I did have to be driven back to the hotel because I was blacked out drunk like at like three in the afternoon. Like so that might have had
0: And you're injured.
1: Yeah. Yeah yeah of so course. I, but that was a really hard hit to take for sure getting
0: volcrum's a big that's a big company that's like equally as creature size wise
1: yeah i would never been like i would never been broken up with a girlfriend i'd never been kicked off a company and then that one was like all my paychecks combined like still not as high as like that one
0: and like the
1: trips were the best and like yeah it was it was
0: a tough cookie to swallow right 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 that is i mean it is again back to the analogies but you know, you're a pro athlete and you think about these other pro athletes, you know, NBA, whatever, you know, they have a short window, you know what I mean? Like by the time you're in your thirties, right? Upper thirties, you're getting old. And I mean, skateboarding, it's the same way you know, for sure. Right. Same way. Right. You got Tony Hawk and some of these other yeah. people out there that are still, still doing stuff, but you probably most of the people you skated, you grew up with are probably not pros anymore. Is that true? Or what's that look like?
1: A hundred percent. Like it's the fact that I'm out of 15 plus year career is like, that's definitely the minority for the people. And that's what it hurts me a lot to see some of the people that like, that grew up in my time and that I feel like we're totally paid their, de- like huge influential skaters that I feel like deserve the longevity to like be on their sponsors maintainable because your sponsors have such a huge play and how, you're perceived in skateboarding. Like if your sponsor has your back and is like putting you out there, then the rest of the world like follows with it. And like, if your sponsor stops putting you on trips, stops running ads, starts putting you in the end of like everything, like just people have tried to do that with me for sure. And I've just like forced off. just to be like, hey, fuck off. This is where the the words of fucking... David Allen Co. I'll hang around as long as they will let me. (laughs) But I don't really want to. I'm only interested in the actually part of doing skateboarding. I have no interest to work in the industry, be it fucking. I used to think I would want to be a team manager, but I'm out.
0: Right. So you're out. So when you're out off the pro cert or whatever, you're moving, fly fishing, you're doing something else.
1: Yeah. If I was going to work in an industry, I would work in the fishing industry
0: and a quick break for a word from our sponsor. The CRC system from Trestle provides secure, convenient storage for your fully rigged fly rods with unsurpassed gear protection. Every CRC system comes with secure mounting clamps, padding in the reel compartment, and their proprietary suspended rod liners. Leave your gear on the car full time, or take the CRC system down and telescope it into carry mode in just a few minutes. I've got my CRC system fastened to the uh, Yakima roof rack of the car. I've got both right now. I've got both of my kids rods sitting in there ready to go. They're all rigged up and ready. And it's one less thing I have to think about as we get ready for that next trip on the river. Every chance you get to make it easier and faster to get on the water will be one extra feather in your cap. Equipped with their patented protective no snag reel up design. This is not your average rod carrier. And carrying your rods with the reels facing up in the CRC system means more protection for your guides, blank, and reel seat. This thing is loaded, looks good, is clean. Uh, You can bomb down the road with your rods ready to go like we've been doing. And uh, it's time to check out Trestle right now and uh, and see what they have going. That's T-R-X-S-T-L-E. You support this podcast and a great small business by clicking through that link to Trestle. Okay, back to the show. Do you know like the history? Are you a kind of a skateboard history buff? I'm just curious on this because I think of some of my experiences back. Do you know like when it started back in the day and then when it got really big? I think of like the Bones Brigade stuff. I'm not even sure if that overlapped with you and like all that stuff.
1: I didn't start skating till what would it be like 98 or something. So I missed like the huge blow up of like the 80s and then there was the dead crash for a while. And then there was like a rehype.
0: What's the dead crash?
1: Um, When Vert died. Vert's like the big half pipe with the, the Tony Hawk 900 device, which kind of brought, I mean, that 900 brought humongous amount of exposure to skateboarding. And definitely like.
0: It was Tony Hawk. I mean, he still is right. He's still the, uh, what is he? He's like the Michael Jordan, the old school. Yeah. He's goddamn
1: incredible. Like, you can't say he doesn't deserve it. I don't know how the fuck he can... What, he did in 900 when he was 50? Like, who the... What the hell? And, like, the fact that he just still is... And it was nuts. Like, when I had that toe surgery, (laughs) he had broken his femur. And, like, it was, like, three months later... And he's like posting, like dropping it on his vert ramp for the first time. And I'm like, still can't fucking put a shoe on. And I'm like, dude, what the hell, man? I just, you broke <laughs> your femur and you're like 60 and you're somehow already skating. And I just
0: had a toe surgery and I'm still fucked. That's right. He's a kind of another freaking nature. Yeah, he's mean, out there and he's still, yeah. Who are the other guys? Who are the other old guys that are, you know, Tony Hawk, anybody else that's, who would be the big names that you would think of? I think like Pal Peralta, right? And that whole. Crew,
1: for as far i mean bucky Lasik's also some sort of fanat phenote- like he's fucking doing some crazy shit right now and he's pretty up there as well and um there's a, a good amount of people that will really trip you out but they didn't have the lives that i had like there's no way they've got the surgery count and the amount like i have so many things on me that just don't work like my right ankle is basically it don't work I got a fucking, perm. that toe surgery was botched. I mean, because that, my toe was stuck dislocated for like a year because I knew something was wrong and I went to the emergency room after the injury and they were like, you're fine. Like, get out of here. And that base joint in my foot had been popped, dislocated and really caused a bunch of problems. So now I have a permanent like problem there. Both of my shoulders are like annihilated. Both my hips annihilated. It's weird.
0: Yeah, you're, you're, you've done it, man. You put your time in and, uh, well, well let's start to take it out here with, let's get back into the fly fishing piece. Um, I asked you earlier, I was talking about places you want to go. You're, you're obviously you're hitting some steelhead. You got some, you know, the Northwest has an amazing diversity of species. Are you thinking of like, Hey, I want to get out to around the world and hit some of those, you know, tropical stuff, go to wherever, or are you more thinking local?
1: Yeah. I really like tropical fishing for sure. I'm a big fan of not knowing what you're gonna catch. Like I love like fishing water where there's a bunch of different species, and like not really knowing what you're gonna hook like or having to switch like maybe you you have to switch up what you're using and shit to target different species. but like just to be able to catch as many species as possible is like a huge a huge thing for me. and
0: like would you love a if somebody said, hey, we're going down to the Amazon, we're going to go for some freaking vampire fish. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Super down. You'd love that. Yeah. So any of that stuff. And actually, the tropical stuff would probably be better for your body, too, right? The warmer environments is, as opposed to a cold winter, you know, winter steelheading. Is it the uh, warmest day, right, on the water for your bones? Oh, man. I'm going to have
1: to try Eric's technique, though, with that sock and double line, like the... Uh...
0: Yeah, I did that. I actually tried it on because I went to that Ohio trip and I tried, I think I might not have done it quite right. Or maybe it's just me. I'm again, I'm a wimp and I, my feet still weren't super warm, but it it did help. I definitely tried the trick because I didn't want to spend a thousand bucks on new boot foot waders.
1: Yeah. I mean, the real trick would be to find a way to keep your hands warm because those cotton gloves.
0: Well, here's the tip. I'll give you a tip, uh, David. Here's the tip for the gloves and the wool gloves go up to rei or whatever fox they're the basically the thin wool fingerless gloves that's all you need
1: but there's so, like i just even like i have fingerless gloves but it's annoying to fish with always like you're
0: you still get do you have the thin Do you have the thin i mean it is a little more annoying but if you get the thinner ones then you, it's pretty pretty good
1: but the problem mine have like uh flap that you can you pull it back because your line gets stuck on it your excess line is always like catching on it
0: yeah i'll get you i'll get you a pair of these and you check them out or you can, because there's there i get them from rei they got they're just the fox gloves they're badass you'll love them because you don't want the flap you don't want any of the shit that goes over your thumb you want five fingerless you know glove with five yeah so anyways i i've done tons of cold weather fishing I, and like i said i'm a wimp and those gloves usually keep my hand pretty warm
1: yeah that would be nice because there's some times where goddamn, you just aren't changing your flies because you just know you cannot tie a knot with your fingers
0: yeah totally no it's got to be the tropical i think that's that's in my i haven't done much of that and i'm really excited because i know i'm you know i love still fishing for steelhead but i love warm weather too so
1: yeah i mean i like it i just like it all for sure and I do like the tropical as well for critter catching. Like I still really like to catch snakes and lizards and all that stuff. So I like being in those environments because there's lots of good like reptiles and amphibians to catch.
0: Right on. Well, what's it look like for you as you look out, say over the next, uh, you know, the whole thing, you know, do you look out? Do you say like, okay, this is my, my five-year plan or are you just kind of go a day by day?
1: I don't know if you're familiar with that character, The Illusion. He was really big in the skateboard world for a bit. And uh, he was on that Tosh.0 show. I don't know why this is so in my head. But like when Tosh is interviewing him, he asks him, like, what's your five-year plan or whatever? And he's like, whoa, <laughs> man, that's future tripping. I don't do that. Or like, wait, what does he say, dude? Fuck, he's got such a good fucking comeback
0: for it. Oh, he does. Oh, man. I wish I could. I'll have to track that down if I can. I'll see if we can get a video on the. Yeah. Cause that is, a, you know, for some people, for probably a lot of people, that's a stupid question because, you know what I mean? Like, even myself, I kind of think, like, okay, what are we doing with this podcast? You know, like, what are we doing? But really, if you look out over a year, everything's changing so fast. It's hard to make a plan over that time period. Right.
1: Yeah. What's the saying? We make plans. God laughs. I don't know. Like, you never know. But I guess my. I mean, my plan is just to keep fishing and skating. Hopefully, get out of Portland. So, yeah, that's that's about it.
0: Yeah, I hear you. If you're gonna keep fishing. That's gonna be the that's gonna be the goal. If you're fishing, I mean, we'll see if this
1: honeymoon phase ever ever dries up. But
0: doesn't sound like it's going to. I think you're gonna be. It sounds like you're gonna be doubling down and and uh, so I could see you out ten years from now, right? You're going and uh, you've pretty much uh, fished. You ever heard of Jeff Currier? This um, sounds very familiar. Yeah, he's kind of a big, he, basically he's caught, I just had him on the podcast. He's caught over like 430 species of yeah. fish around the world. He's the most well-known guy of like, okay, he's traveled everywhere and he's got this goal to hit 500 species. And I asked him, I said, okay, so how is it hard to find new species? And he's like, you know what? It actually is now. Like, But he has this goal of going for 500, but that's not your thing, right? You're more like, you know what? I just want to get out.
1: I mean, I would, I'd want to, I do, I keep thinking that I want to like actually make a list of everything that I know I've caught. And I also, I mean, I just want to get better at, cause I feel like I've caught things that I don't identify correctly. Like I don't know exactly all the different, I might've caught one of those special cutthroats somewhere and not known it or like, yeah, I I don't know. Sometimes I might've missed a few things like, Maybe one of these mountain whitefish was a lake whitefish. I don't know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I think it's awesome. Right on, man. Well, uh, I think, uh, are you good? You want to do, uh, do our, take the test on our two-minute drill? See if we can bust this out real quick as we get out of here? Well, actually, we missed the oil in the house one. That was the, why don't you just take it out? Let's skip the two-minute drill. Let, let's hear that oil. Is that, can you tell that story kind of quickly?
1: I mean, that was while I was going through that hip thing. That was one of the major, like, my life was, like, pretty much just shattering around me from every direction. And when I bought this house years ago, it had a decommissioned oil tank on the property. Like, pretty much every house I looked at, I'm sure anyone who's looked for houses has knows about that. And back when they used to heat houses with, like, kerosene oil or whatever kind of oil they used, they would bury the big tanks somewhere. And, most of them all have been drained and they're just underground like not causing any problems so didn't think much of it got the house fucking it would been like almost 10 years and then we got the basement floors were all like cancery like deteriorating so we had the floors redone and when they grind down the old concrete oil just started coming up and they're like dude this is you are fucked like this is horrible thing like and we have to report like it had to be reported to DEQ and like started out with them saying they were just gonna have to take like little chunk of the floor out and test the soil and they just kept having to remove more and more of the floor until they're 30 feet down my entire house is supported by giant iron girders and they're driving like fucking backhoes down there below my house and like it turned into about a four-year job and like, dude, everything just kept because you're all dealing with insurance companies.
0: Wow. And are you still living upstairs?
1: Yeah, we're living here the whole time. And oh, like wow. dealing with fumes. The contractor had to tell me about his divorce like every time. I just like bring up like, dude, you guys aren't do like something that they were doing wrong. And then it would just always turn into my divorce and everything's so fucked, and I'm like, dude, oh, my hip is di- I'm, my hip <laughs> oh, is out while we're talking, motherfucker. Like, life is fucked. Fix my <laughs> goddamn house, like. And it was real bad. And I mean, DQ said that. I mean, because luckily we didn't have to pay for it because, like, there's no possible way the people who did that decommission job didn't go down there and see how, like, you couldn't have missed how much oil was spilled all over through the soil. So they totally like covered it up, took some payment from the previous owners because the previous owners sold me the house three months after that job was done. Like they totally like, were, like get the fuck out of here. And I mean, they spent a million dollars on that job.
0: Yep. That was a full, that was like a super fun site.
1: Yeah. And it was the biggest residential contamination in Portland city history. It was my house.
0: No kidding. Yeah. Wow. What part of Portland was this? Was this like uh, Northeast?
1: Uh, yeah, they call it Park Rose. Yeah,
0: Park. Oh, yeah, Park Rose. Yeah, yeah, right on. Yeah, and that's why it's pretty much Tweaker Ground Zero. Yeah, that's right. It is now. Yeah. So, give me your best trick. What is your best trick on a skateboard? What's the hardest trick you've ever pulled off? And we're like, oh my god, I can't believe I did that.
1: Man, that is a really, really tough one.
0: What's the trick when I you're out there and you jump off and you jump onto a rail of a staircase? Like what's the hardest thing about that when you're skating down on your trucks, that just looks impossible. I've seen you do multiple rails and you're doing all sorts of crazy stuff. Is that just, and that's one of your things you're equally known as like awesome at that as you are on the vert. Right.
1: I guess my biggest like mark on skateboarding is probably going to be some of the big rails that I grinded like in hate. And I, I mean, I just recently this summer grinded one of the scariest, I don't know if it'll translate to everyone, but like it was pure death and like the only way out was to land it and like it wasn't the biggest stair count but it was just a very dangerous situation and so I mean I'm still I'm still pushing it when the chance arises but it's been less motivating to purely go for the biggest rails because people are just doing such massive shit and like it doesn't even like stand out anymore like It's just and I don't feel the drive
0: like what's massive shit like somebody's jumping off of a a 10 story building or something like that going off and doing a flip like something crazy like that. Is that like the extreme stuff or what do you mean by it doesn't stand out?
1: When I was in my peak of big rail skating, it was like if I decided I was going to 5-0 a 20 stair, like go down a 20 stair hand railing on just my back truck. It was gonna get in the mag, like there was no doubt. It was gonna be a big photo in the magazine. It was gonna be like a standout trick in my part. It was gonna be like the whole town was gonna talk about it. Like, can't believe fucking so and so five owed that rail. Like, and now there's a very good chance that won't even get used anywhere.
0: Gotcha. Because so many people are doing the same stuff or similar.
1: Yeah, and I always just a have- feel like way more of that extra motivator to like why I'm going to like risk serious bodily harm is if like it's going to stand like if I feel like it's a standout thing that has to you get a certain like extra rush like it's my obligation to do this like this is going to be so like cool that I just have to have it. (laughs) But when you're like, I don't know.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's it. Gotcha. Is Thrasher still... That magazine's still out there?
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, they're the only magazine now, which it was a lot cooler when there was a bunch because then you could get photos more
0: places, and it wasn't... Yeah, they've gone away. Like a lot of the the newsprint, it's all gone to digital and web stuff. Yep. Yep. What's your kayak of choice you love you're using?
1: Um, I mean, I have this little, let's call it dagger. It's like a little nine-foot. It's only 35 pounds. And I mean, I literally use that everywhere. I have like three other kayaks of like actually fishing kayaks and 12 footers and stuff like that. And they're just such a pain in the ass to bring plate. Like I can just go pick my little kayak up, throw it in the back of my truck and I'm out and I can carry it. I've carried it a mile to and fro to like Alpine lakes and like taking it down some pretty hectic stuff. But Yeah. I I definitely want to get a, like a little pack raft though, for like getting into, I really want to get into more like high Alpine hiking into like high Alpine lakes and catching golden trout. Apparently I caught I thought I'd never caught a golden trout, but that my mom was telling me that just a couple months ago, we were reliving the story of me getting lost in the woods that I was talking about. And she's like, you caught a really nice golden trout the next day. And I was like, what, really? Like, I didn't know I'd caught a golden <laughs> trout, but there it you wasn't go. on a fly rod, so.
0: Right, right. Well, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, so you got your species list going early. Well, what about, we mentioned at the start, the weed cookie, so let's uh, let's take it out here, because I love some good uh, weed stories. What's the, so if you have to choose between eating a cookie or a brownie versus smoking versus, like, any of the other types of, what's your choice on the weed? What what do you like?
1: I'm a joint smoker. I got to blow the fish whistle. I have a a rolling paper company as well.
0: Shout out. Buy,
1: buy, buy. Like, and subscribe. Parachute papers.
0: There you go. Parachute papers. Awesome.
1: If you're going to get high, you're going to need a parachute.
0: There you go. So parachute papers. And is this a joint? Is this a, you like to mix a little tobacco in there ever?
1: I unfortunately do. It's a nasty habit, but.
0: Yeah. It's a blunt, right? Is that a blunt?
1: No, it's a spliff. I need to try to. F- maybe edge out of that one. Cause I mean, I've never smoked cigarettes, but it's crazy being addicted to, I'm like totally addicted to nicotine.
0: Yeah, I know nicotine is tough. I had the worst habit ever of, I chewed Copenhagen for like, you know, 20 years and I quit when my first daughter was born, but I loved it. Right. Tobacco is so freaking addicting.
1: Dude, it's, isn't it great? <laughs>
0: no, it is. I, well, not anymore. See, I'm sitting here like a damn, a nice chew still. Think of this. It's been, it's been like 12 years for me. And I still am like, you know what? Copenhagen, that tastes good right now.
1: Dude, I know. That's the worst. Like, I did three months of no tobacco after one of my surgeries. I was trying to, like, do everything to get, like, healthy. And I was just smoking straight weed. And it was like I had nothing to get up for in the morning. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like, there was, like, something missing. And I just was chasing the dragon.
0: What about coffee? Do you drink coffee?
1: I do, but only because I smoke, like...
0: I only drink like half a cup while I fucking puff. What was that can you popped a a little bit ago? Oh, it was a soda water. Oh yeah. Yeah. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. Nani. Yeah. There you go. Nice. Right on, man. Well, this has been, uh, this has been a lot of fun. I, um, you know, I always do. I love doing these different episodes because I'm just interested in it. You know, like I said, skateboarding, I, I had a small two year period of my life. So talking to a professional skateboarder is pretty cool for me yeah anything you want to leave anybody with like as we head out here it's you know maybe the next i don't know what do you have going the rest of like 23 what what are you looking at in 2023 that's getting you excited
1: just trying to get that house like i mean we might get it today like we're just she's just not she wouldn't budge on her fucking price then we finally bit the bullet and paid her price and some stuff came up on the home inspection like and she's like refusing to pay for it and it's like dude like you're advertising your house with two working fireplaces and actually you have none and your chimney needs to be totally repaired and like we're on our last like we can only make one more offer and like basically it's a really fine like like how badly do we want the house and how or compared to like paying the like cuz we could if we asked her to take too much off the price she's going to walk but it's like fine-tuning because you're like you don't want to just ask for nothing and take a total like hit know that you're if anything possibly overpaying like
0: it's not what you want yeah it's a tough market too because i think things are coming down but yeah everything spiked you know interest rates prices everything's crazy high
1: yeah especially in like i mean portland's turned into such a shithole that like everyone's trying to get out so all these like nice suburban houses are just like getting to pick and choose their buyers
0: oh right and that's what camas is kind of a suburb of portland still kind of
1: yeah it's definitely like a like a nice place i fucking loved it when i moved here from near seattle like i grew up in issaquah washington and like the traffic i mean even back then was super bad you were locked in in issaquah like you couldn't once rush hour hit you couldn't go any further west like you couldn't go to Bellevue couldn't go to Seattle and that's where all the skateboarding was happening so i was just like bummed and i mean i moved to portland and it was just like the perfect balance between small city and big town like you had all like the nightlife the funnest nightlife in the entire world i swear it was fucking portland oregon in like 2009 2000 Tenish, I don't know. For me, I mean there'd be a dollar beer night everywhere somewhere and like just I don't know.
0: Cool bars, that's right. Good bars, good coffee, good yeah, all that stuff.
1: There's no rush hour either. Like I'd be like on the highway, like calling my friends at five o'clock, like dragging, like, dude, I'm I'm on the highway at five o'clock, not a car in sight.
0: Right. Well, what about this? What about politics? You ever thought about like that as something you'd get into?
1: No. I mean, my wife would be upset that I even went on that last rant. She's always telling me to stay out of the fucking politics because it's always probably a good idea for me.
0: Yeah. It's interesting because Portland's such a crazy, right? There's all, whatever's going on, but it seems like, well, what do we do? Like, what can we do to help that process?
1: To not be so, like, we're at this crazy, see there, I don't know, I'm dangerously close to politics right now, man. Oh, hell.
0: Yeah, that's right. Yeah, we don't have to. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, well, let's let's keep it on. Let's stay on the following because that's always the fly fishing joke is like, no politics, no religion. And those are the two big things you stay away from. But um, I back it. No, I mean, I think that at the end of the day, we're in a crazy time because social media, everything has made politics even more divisive. And it's just this crazy world of like, you can't talk to each other anymore, which is unbelievable, right? It's like, it goes against this whole country, what the country was founded on.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's crazy that you're like, I've, I got friends on that you could say are on either side or whatever. And because I don't really give a shit. I'm, I see truths on both sides and falses on both sides. And but it's like I can't even bring – if I'm hanging with one of the friends and I know the other friend is like – I'm like, fuck, like this guy's going to hate this guy or like they're going to get in a fucking fight because this guy isn't politically correct enough and this guy like is a PC principal. Like there's two sides of the offenders here. like, And I just want out.
0: Yeah, yeah. I hear you. Just more efficient. I think that's the key. Get on the water more and just kind of get your breaks. You know, get away from it I think is the key. The more time in the water, the better life's going to be
1: for sure like that's always always the case like as long as nothing's gonna stop me from fishing should be okay
0: perfect well where should we send people Uh, remind us again on instagram what's your handle there
1: Um, just at david gravette
0: out of those people you got a pretty good following there what percentage of those people are uh, angler flying or even just fisher
1: I don't know, I don't think enough of them because I definitely get a lot of, like, go back to skateboarding and <laughs> seen enough tra like, but, I mean, there's definitely a lot of anglers, too, and people that are stoked on, like, what I'm doing and now it's like, all of my graphics are, like, fishing related. I can't believe people are still down for it. Like, I'm always all surprised when Creature will be, like, talking graphics and, like, got any other fishing ground? Like, you guys are still, you still willing to put, fi-? I mean, I've had, like, six fish boards at this point like
0: oh that's sweet that's sweet could we see maybe we can get a grab a photo of one of those and throw it in the show notes take a look at some of those
1: yeah there's I mean the one that just came out is it's kind of weird because it's a lure it's like a shine like they made it look like a shiny lure it's got a hole it's got a pre-made like hole in the nose so it looks like it's supposed to be like tied on to like a hook or something and I mean, I was like, I don't know, man. I'm I'm a fly fisher, man. Like, it's kind of weird to have a lure grab, but they're like, dude, it's going to be so sick, though. And I'm like, I know Lee Sharon was the guy making it, and he, he only hits home runs, so I was down. And we filmed a pretty funny commercial for it that you'll probably find. Skating in waiters. it's not easy.
0: Oh, skating and Good. We'll track that down. I, I think it's going to be awesome. I think that that's the fly fishing space right now. It's actually a really cool place where it's evolved because go back 20 years, the river runs through it. It was kind of this old crusty white guy just fishing for trout with a dry fly. But now, and I've interviewed like over 400 people on this show and, and we've had every topic, you know, carp fishing in the middle of Arizona, right in the city in Phoenix. Who's that Casey? Uh, no, that was uh shit again. This is my old in the 400 episodes. I can't even remember, but we, we have an episode with the, it was from one of the local fly shops, Arizona fly fishing, I think. And I'll put a link in the show notes to it. But yeah, it was amazing. The guy was so stoked on fishing in the middle of town with literally like you know shopping carts. But he's like, "Dude, man, those carp! It looks sick. unbelievable. Like carp on the, it, you know what I mean?"
1: I want to, I want to get it. I mean, I I see KC doing that all the time on his. He's doing it literally right now. Like he just posted Kayla catching a carp like in the middle of fucking city in some ditch in Arizona.
0: Yeah, that's it. And there, oh, so this is yeah down there. That might be. I'm sure, they're a feel or connected to the folks I talk to, but
1: yeah, probably,
0: dude. Sweet. Well, I'm gonna let you get out of here, man. I we stretched this thing out. I didn't DVD stretch. I could talk another two hours with you, but uh, I appreciate your time, man. This has been a lot of fun. I definitely will will send it. We'll probably get the cool thing about this is that we're gonna get a little probably some people that be like, what What's this skateboarding? You know, we'll get a little hate mail, but you know, what i be mean? I love it because I think that's what it's all about. You can, you got to have some haters, right? That's the whole thing.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean. Tell them to look for all those awesome tips they got. (laughs) That's
0: right. Did we get, I don't think we quite got 10, but I'll put a tally. We got a few out of you today. Yeah. Sick. Cool, man. All right. Thanks for all the time today and we'll keep it uh, in touch with you moving ahead.
1: Yeah. Sounds good. Hopefully we get to go fishing sometime soon too.
0: Yeah, for sure. Sweet deal. All right, man. Talk to you later.
1: Sounds good. Peace.
0: So there it is. Hope you enjoyed that one. Crazy stories, uh, a crazy life. You can hear it. I mean, how many broken bones have you had in your life? I know for me, um, I've always been pretty weak about that. And uh, this guy has been doing some crazy stuff. Quick listener shout out before we get out of here, Todd Priest. I'm actually not sure exactly how to pronounce that, Todd. If If you get this, reach back out to me and let me know. Todd Priest from Atlanta, Georgia. Todd has been uh, on our uh, newsletter community since November last year and just wanted to thank you, Todd, in advance for all the support there. If you want to connect with me, get a chance, you can head over to uh, the website, webflyswing.com, and sign up for that newsletter, and we'll give you some bonuses as we go. Uh, it's an easy way to find out which trips we have coming. Some of the giveaways we have going this year and all the good stuff. Uh, Sign up for that newsletter and you'll get updated. So where are we going next? Where are we taking it? We've got some good stuff right around the corner. Let's take a look at the calendar and give you a little sneak peek. Sneak peek of what we have going. So next week we've got a... We're heading to the salt next week. We've got the man Bruce Chard is on, uh, on Tuesday. And we're gonna go deep into uh, some of the stuff he has going. It's been a while since he's been on, and we got uh, some exciting stuff coming up here with Bruce. And then uh, on that same week, uh, we've got another salt episode with Brian Horsley from North Carolina, takes us down into their unique area as well. So, so that's a good thing we got going. We also are not too far right around the corner here. In a, a couple of weeks, we're gonna be launching into the Euro Nipping uh, School giveaway and big thing we have going this year Uh, if you get a chance uh, we're going to be sharing that here towards the end of the month Uh, but this is your good chance to kind of check back with me and let me know if you're interested in something like this maybe you've been struggling with the euro we've put together a group that is going to help up your game this year so that's where we're going I hope if you get a chance to reach out to me, and I hope to connect with you either online or maybe see you on that upcoming uh, Euro trip we have going. That would be amazing. And uh, and it is getting late, like a lot of these uh, a lot of these times here. It is getting late into the night, so I want to wish you a good evening, a good morning, or a good afternoon wherever you are in the world. And I appreciate you for supporting this podcast, and look forward to seeing you on the next show. Thanks for listening to the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Show. For notes and links from this episode, visit wetflyswing.com.